Sports Stories from the 419 in Northwest Ohio, brought to you by A Voice You Know. It's time to go around the area and around the Hearn. Bonjour to you, and welcome to another edition of Around the Hearn. Great basketball talk today. John Cook of the Talking Hoops with John Cook podcast is my guest, as well as the ONU women's basketball head coach in his first year, and Mark Hilsman, who talks about the perils of COVID-19 and about that delaying the start, the OAC, that ONU is a member of, says uh, no, no sports until January. But I love both of these guys. They talk about basketball. Again, John Cook's podcast, all about talking about basketball. He's had Mark on as well, but uh, neat little view into sort of his mind about how his podcast works and about how you can find that as well. Next week, Andy Brown. I said last week, but uh, he's overseas. He's a busy guy. The artist, he travels around the world painting different ballparks and uh, has a terrific story. He's going to be on next week's show. I'm looking forward to that. But this week, a little bit of news and notes. Golf. High school golf kicks off a week from today. Fort Lowry and Minster, the boys' season, it kicks off a week from today. And August 5th is an important date. The first post-COVID event uh, sanctioned by the OHSAA. But August 4th is also a big date. The OHSAA has a meeting with the OHSFCA, the Ohio State Football Coaches Association, and the lieutenant governor to talk about football. Uh, That will determine what happens in the fall. The only problem with that is practices start on the 1st in a couple of days, and it's kind of a disservice, I think, a little bit to the kids who are trying to get ready for their season, if they're going to have a season, to have the meeting after that. And everybody's in limbo. I know a lot of coaches I talk to off the record are not real big fans of it, having to wait. Other sports have had different things. Uh, California has said they're going to push back to the spring, and a handful of other good weather states have said that as well. But look, it's not easy to just flip everything to the spring. Uh, There's a lot of rumors and a lot of talk out there about what a uh, fall and spring flip would be, but I don't like it because the kids in the winter not only play usually in the fall or the spring, but they have to decide what to do then. Uh, The winter kids get screwed over again. It's just, it's not good. Hopefully something, at least a decision comes by the time I have this podcast up next week, next Thursday, and maybe I can even find an expert to talk about exactly what things will look like going forward. Indiana has said they're going to go ahead with their fall sports as they're planned. Girls golf practice has actually been begin tomorrow on the 31st of July. That uh, again is, is different than a lot of other places. Tennessee's governor Bill Lee signed an executive order to allow contact sports to resume provided they follow the Tennessee athletic association's requirements. A lot of folks on Twitter going back and forth about that one. And it's fascinating to read the thought process about Governor DeWine here in Ohio versus Governor Lee in Tennessee or in Indiana. I know some of the schools in Cleveland have decided the public leagues that they're not going to play in the fall, and that is a contentious issue up there. There's not a right answer, so to speak. Uh, people on every side of the fence, that's fine. You're allowed to disagree. That's what makes everything great. But 
I just want to see what's best for the kids. Uh, we'll see again what that is going to mean, I guess, in a week or so. The NAIA announced all their fall championships, cross-country soccer and volleyball, are all moved to the spring. Tomorrow is a big day for the NAIA because that's when the contact of football comes. They make that decision tomorrow, so we'll know about that by next week. Again, it's not an easy situation. We've already seen with the Miami Marlins, Major League Baseball has some issues. Uh, Hockey's in the bubble in Toronto. They get started yesterday and today. Uh, Basketball has got the whole Lou Williams chicken wing thing. Uh, I can't blame him. Uh, The chicken wings looked amazing. Apparently, that's what the Marlins thought, too. Um, Reds have had some scares. They play the Indians coming up. I I don't know what any of that means. Again, I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV. But just just wait and see. See what happens. Kind of closer to home, Paulding doesn't have enough girls for their uh, team this fall for soccer. So they will play a co-ed schedule with the 11 girls from their soccer team or from the tryouts plus the boys team. I'm curious to see how that goes. Again, if everything goes as planned right now, Ohio says both soccer and uh, volleyball are good to go. Whether it stays that way is a whole other thing. And uh, news from the Crescent News I saw on Twitter, Aaron Gross does a terrific job with this. He was on the show a month and a half ago or so. The Ohio Water Polo Association, who I've actually had dealings with in the past, love those people. They're terrific, and uh, they do a great job of promoting the sport of water polo. It's one of the most interesting things I've ever called. I did water skiing a couple of weeks ago for TV, but water polo is, uh, is something I would love to do again at some point. They are going to pick up their season and move it from the fall to the spring. Now, they have the ability to do that easier. They're not sanctioned by the OHSA, but... They follow their safety guidelines. So that gives them a little more leeway to be able to do uh, what they want. But I always enjoyed whenever I was able to go do it for a local TV station in the Cincinnati area. That uh, it, it was a lot of fun. After the first time, I was so nervous. But it's a, a great sport. I mean, if you're able to go down and watch it, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of a mix of a lot of different other sports. But I hope that works out for them. I mean, the safety and everything on that going as planned. Uh, and uh, big transfer news, LCC's Trey Cobbs in the last week and a half. A graduate transfer will move on from Northern Kentucky University, where he has been the last handful of years, to Kentucky Wesleyan for his grad transfer year. And uh, hope to uh, hope to hear from him, maybe even be able to get him on the show. I love to see what local kids are doing when they move on and uh, get to the college level and uh, talk about that. Speaking of that, Thinking about his high school coach, Frank Kill, and uh, his entire family, if you have thoughts and prayers, send them their way. They will very much appreciate it. When we come back, we'll talk to John Cook about his uh, podcast and Mark Hilsman. That is all yet to come here on Around the Hearn. Danny the Dealmaker, have you ever noticed how Leak Kinsel Chevy Buick GMC is a little like a sports team? How so? Well, you got your Leak Kinsel team starters like all of our salespeople. Yeah. And then you got your talent on the bench ready to back up every one of those starters to ensure that the team wins, like our incredible service people. You know, you're right. A customer can come in, select their favorite, and be on their way in no time. Sort of a pick and roll. Now you got it. See us at 650 West Urban Road, online at LeeKinsel.com, and on the phone at 866-LEE-KINSEL. Back now talking to John Cook, who has his own podcast, and uh, talks about basketball, talking hoops with Coach John Cook. How are you doing? 
Well, I'm surviving quarantine, I guess. And, and it's funny, I the, the, the podcast thing seems to be the way to go right now. People got time and they like to talk because they don't get to see people or go anywhere. So the podcast thing has worked out well. And normally I'd be the happiest guy in the world to be living in blue skies and 80 plus degree weather. But it's a little frustrating to not be able to go sit down at a sports bar and have a good meal and <laughs> relax and do those kind of things. But uh, all in all, I can't complain. Things are good. Well, it's kind of interesting, too, because... You know, for me, I've been doing this podcast for a while. Actually, it ends up being about the same amount of episodes that you have, but uh, it was kind of a way to try to keep everybody up on everything going on that you might not get to hear, whether a Friday night or a Tuesday night basketball game or whatever. And I always felt like I needed an opportunity to, to let people tell more stories. And it might not be, you know, the star basketball player or whatever, just things going on. But is that kind of how you started or you just kind of have a lot of basketball stories and people you've met and wanted to figure out what to do with that? Well, there's really about three parts to it. First of all, I, I was encouraged to start a podcast because I'm not going to be coaching, you know, next year, maybe not for a while now. And, I, and I've been doing what little bit of radio and, and a little bit of TV broadcasting that I've done. And, and I was encouraged to start a podcast just to have some content that I might be able to share that would make me marketable in some other areas to do more radio, more, more broadcasting. That was a part of it. But for me, it really was, I love talking basketball specifically. I could talk coaching in general. And I thought that was kind of a great opportunity to get going because of what was happening. When I started thinking about it real seriously back in March or April and got it kicked off in May, it was, if you're ever going to do one, now's the time to do it because everybody's got time on their hands. But what it turned into for me really after just one or two episodes was a realization that in this coaching fraternity that I was fortunate enough to be a part of for a lot of my life, everybody's journey is remarkably unique and their story is worth listening to. And, and most people that have any connection to coaching at all can relate to a lot of the stories that I, I made a joke the other day. Hell, I should have, I should have named the podcast. What's your story? That should have been the podcast and just let people tell their stories because we may get into some X's and O's and basketball specific stuff occasionally and maybe down the road that's what the podcast will evolve into. That's kind of how I thought it was when it started out. But everybody I have on just got such an interesting story about their journey that we can fill 45 minutes to an hour podcast with just their story and their background. And uh, it's it, not only is it entertaining, I think, to people to listen to, but I, I, I've said this before. I, I just think there's power in people's stories. I think there's things you can, can learn. And I've gotten a great deal of feedback in one area from, from the coaches who regularly listen to the podcast. It's that every time somebody's on, if they listen, they pick up one or two nuggets that they, that they find value in that can help them in some way, whether it's outlook or perspective or uh, a mindset or a mental approach. Um, you know, if it's, I just, it's been really remarkable to me to get the feedback that I've gotten from the people that are listening, that they are picking up something other than just entertainment. I, I really didn't anticipate that. I've always found that interesting. When I go to start a project, I usually have a very specific idea in mind of what I want to do. And it was about for this podcast about telling stories, maybe some more of young athletes who don't always get, uh, talked about on the radio or TV and, it kind of evolved into sort of a different thing. Like you're saying, it's always fascinating to see how ideas come together. And you think it'll be one thing that you absolutely love, but then you find out people like what it becomes. Well, and, and I think that's been the important part for me is 
I didn't have any expectations when I started the podcast. There was no goal for, you know, a certain listenership. I just wanted to do what I enjoy doing. But at some point, the realization is that you got to look at numbers and, and, and are people listening? And, and even if it's a re- like for me I, right now with our podcast and what I'm doing, I'm guessing the regular listenership is somewhere between 70 and 80 people. And of the 70 or 80, I don't know them all probably, but I've gotten feedback from probably 25 to 30 people. If I get feedback about what they like, then I probably ought to make sure to do more of what they like (laughs) and stay out of the way with my own wants, wishes, and and hopes for what the podcast would have been. And and that's kind of what I've tried to do here is just be really varied in who I have on and let them tell their story. And um, I have no idea what it'll be a year from now, if it'll still be going. Um, I, I look forward to getting into some repeat guests and seeing where that goes. But I just, it is interesting because I'm like you. I, I normally like to have kind of a goal and an idea in mind. I, I knew what I wanted to do. I didn't have any expectation of what it would be. So it's been real easy to just let it kind of happen. And it's probably been more fun because of that. Do you find it makes you a better in, uh, interviewer or maybe a better conversationalist because you're able to kind of go through, I would imagine you did what I what I do or what everyone does kind of go through your Rolodex at first of, all right, I know I can have a good conversation with this person. Let me give them a call. Oh, absolutely. For me, it was, you know, like I said, I wanted to be not just Northwest Ohio because I, I just thought, you know, it's going to be tough. We got, there's a lot of that in this area. And I, I was hoping to attract the occasional listener that, that just thought the topic was interesting and may not know anything about where Maria Stein or St. Henry or, or Ada or Bluffton are. And, and if I could reach into some other audiences, I would. So I started out very intentionally by people that have connections to this area but aren't here anymore. Tyler Neal was, was one of my first guests uh, and grew up in Bluffton. Scott Cooper, uh, who's the head men's basketball coach at IU South Bend, was, was one of my early guests because I had met him working camp at Northern. And, and he grew up in Worcester, but he's been around a lot of different stops. And I thought I could open up the doors to maybe some, some potential listeners in other areas. But the truth of the matter is it really came down to what you said. I, I've been fortunate to be in coaching for over 30 years and I've met a lot of people. And more importantly than that, the people that I know, know a lot of people. So I could try to make one or two phone calls and line up guests. And it's really happened that way where I, I may have a, a really good connection to one guy and he's got a good connection to two or three other people. And if, if he reaches out, for instance, I, I was able to interview Babe Kwasniak and because I met Babe when he was coaching at, at DA St. Joe's and I was doing radio for LCC. So I reached out, actually Babe reached out to me when, when the podcast went live, he messaged me and was like, Hey, if you have fired coaches on, I'll be, I'll be willing to come on. And we kind of had a laugh about that. But when I got done with Babe, he said, would you be interested in trying to have on any guys with, you know, with major division one experience? And I said, well, what do you got in mind? He said, well, Dino Gaudio, who's an assistant Louisville coach me at army. And he was eight years at ESPN. He said, I'll make a call. And it took about two weeks to, to work it out. But after that conversation, I get Dino Gaudio on as a guest. And then Dino Gaudio is able to tell me, well, I, I don't mind contacting, you know, person X, Y, or Z. And we'll see where that goes. And it's been two or three weeks in the works trying to work out some of those connections. So I, I've said on the podcast, and I'm, I'm learning that the basketball universe is enormous. But it is amazing how closely connected anybody with any background in basketball is. Within one or two phone calls, you can be connected to somebody you've never met. And as I said, what I think is great is if I just get them on and let them tell their story, it's going to be entertaining. 
Well, and I love that you have your old boss, so to speak, in Michelle Duran after you have what, who would have been, if you were an assistant this year, your new boss in Mark Hulsman of, I, I love Northern, I love what the program is doing, what they've been doing for years, and it's kind of a special thing. My wife's a graduate of Northern, and just to kind of be able to see that come full circle of, of how great those two have been for the area, and they're such great people. Uh, those were the two that jumped out to me as kind of uh, kind of episodes that I had to go right to. Well, and I appreciate that because it was very much by design for me in, in choosing. I, I know I want to have Michelle Durand on because she's in some ways iconic, which she's been great to me. But at the same time, uh, you know, Mark is, is quote unquote new in his role and, and he's been at Northern for a long time, but probably isn't widely known. I really wanted to get Mark on the, the podcast as early as I could and then just see what happened. And if Michelle would even be interested in coming on, it's kind of evolved in that, in that same way. In a lot of ways, you know, I've got a lot of former quote unquote bosses that haven't been on guy. Neil, uh, I worked for, for a while guy has not been on yet, but it's kind of been by design. Let's, let's get other stuff out there first. And then, you know, I know I can have a great conversation with Guy Neal. I know I can. So we'll, we'll kind of just wait and, and wait that one out a little bit. And we had Michelle on after Mark, sort of intentionally to get Mark out there in front and let him share his story and kind of open this chapter for him through, through the use of this podcast and the other media outlets that he's using too. But then at the same time, I you know, I didn't want to wait very long to have Michelle on because I think that, that that's just a great story. And, um, you know, you, you, you touched a, a nerve with me when you talk about how much respect you have for that program and those people. And it's just, it's one of those things where I don't like to come across as biased when I do the podcast. I'm not a journalist and I don't pretend to be, but I still don't want to be a kiss ass. Um, but, but the bottom line is I, I don't want to try to hide the level of respect I have for those people and what they've done, because I don't, I don't think it makes me biased in any way. I think you can be the most objective, neutral observer uh, alive. And if you spend a day or two with Mark Hughesman and Michelle Duran, you're going to be impressed with what they do and how they do it. Well, I mean, if I was totally biased, I would have went to Kevin Sensiball because not only being a Northern guy, that kind of works out, but being a Spencerville guy, and I'm not allowed, I think, to talk about this anymore. He doesn't like it when I bring it up. But, you know, he's been at Spencerville for a little bit. And uh, he's not that much older than I am, but I still remember watching him play when I was in high elementary and middle school before he went to college. And it's cool for me to see someone leading our program here at Spencerville that I have a high respect for and to kind of know where he came from and know that, you know, those are the people you want leading small town schools because they're from here. They're obviously invested. He's got kids coming up. And it was neat to hear his story as well. Well, and, and, and I'm real biased when it comes to Kevin because we're both polar bears. He came along considerably after I did. I actually kind of tried to recruit Kevin to Northern a little bit when I was a student assistant there, and he was a junior or senior in high school the first time I saw him play too. Now, you watched him when you were a middle schooler, and I watched him as a college student hoping he'd come play for our program. But we've developed a really good friendship, and, and again, I don't mind. I, I like having really good friends on. But the thing about a guy like Kevin, you know, Mike, when I grew up, in Northwest Ohio, uh, Jack Albers was at Marion Local. Fran Gilball was at St. Henry. Dave Krause was at Patrick Henry. There were a lot of identifiable, 
I don't know if iconic is the right word, but but borderline legendary coaches leading programs for long periods of time. And that has just become very uncommon in, in, in this era. And and Kevin may not like to, to think about it in that way, and, and he doesn't have to, I'll do it for him. But when you get a guy that starts to get in 17, 18, and it looks like you know 20 years in one place is going to become a real possibility. Uh, he's coming after you. Well, Oh, I'm probably is, and that's okay. I, I'm sure he'll. I'm a, I owe him something, or he owes me something. We'll, we'll sort that out. But when when you start to get to those time frames, it's important to recognize that and and talk about why it happens and how it happens because it isn't common anymore. And so, you know, you mentioned Kevin. He's getting close to 20 years at Spencerville. Jason Vermillion, 20 years at Arlington. That used to be real common. It's not, and I think it is really important to highlight those kind of guys and what they've done and how they've done it because it's just not something we're going to see that often. You've also got uh, two of my favorite jokers at different points in here, and Matt Tabler and Frank Kill. Uh, I've had them on multiple times. I actually have gotten to know them better the last handful of years, and uh, they are part of what I think is a really neat coaching fraternity in Lima in that Frank was on my podcast and he talked about how close they all are because they, they're all either connected through LCC or – uh, with Coach Segerson or however that that is. But it's such a, a neat group where, you know, they uh, are rooting for each other as long as they're not playing one another. Well, and, and again, I think that's something that is uh, underappreciated and maybe even not really recognized in our area because of how good these guys are at what they do and how competitive they are. Uh, it's oftentimes not understood how supportive they are of one another. The coaching brotherhood is, is, is undeniably, it's a fraternity. It really is. But there are pockets of that fraternity, too. Like, I have a great connection with anybody that's got a northern connection because of my background. But but you've got the LCC kind of vine that runs through that, that connection of guys. And, and because of that, I, I, again, I think it creates a real willingness of guys to, one, share the game, two, support one another, and the third thing that I think is really important is that you get to be a little more human. I mean, I, I would say this about coaching, particularly at high school in Northwest Ohio. You are in a fishbowl, and you can be perceived as less than a normal person. And, and it's, you know, a, a Jeremy Best or a Kevin Sensible or a Tyson McLaughlin, they, they are they're on a pedestal and they're in the public eye, so they're not, they're not normal like you and me. Uh, in, in some people's minds. And when they get to be a part of that brotherhood where they got guys that they can compete with, but they can also learn from, share with, and support, um, I, I don't think that's as recognized or as appreciated by the average basketball fan as it should be. And it's one of the reasons I'm going to miss coaching if I don't get back into it is because there's not a lot of walks of life where you can be as lonely as you are when you're in coaching. And to have that support of people that know what you're walking through and they've been through it themselves, and know that they're pulling for you, even though they're trying to beat you on Friday night, that's a pretty unique and, and, and I think really fulfilling and satisfying uh, thing to be able to hang on to. Have you had a conversation with a guest where you, you thought you were maybe going to go one way and, and it sort of completely became something else during one of these? Yeah, I've had small snippets of that. Uh, it hasn't really happened for a whole episode yet. What I have had more often than not is, we go down some rabbit holes, and I try to limit the po- I try to limit the podcast to an hour, and then you get to the end of an hour, and, and it's literally it's like, well, damn, we didn't get to a lot of the things I wanted to talk about. <laughs> I've recorded and, three and, of those today. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I said to, to Jason Vermillion, I said, I think maybe I need to start letting the guests send me the because I send an outline out a couple days ahead just to keep me on track, uh, kind of an outline of what I expect to talk about. And, and then I have these things I'm trying to get to, and in an effort to try to get through all of my outline, sometimes we don't get to things because we, we, we take a side avenue and we go off on a different topic that maybe we didn't anticipate. And, and I said, maybe I ought to let the, the guests be the ones to send me the outline, but it's still about letting them tell their story. And so I, I'm not going to be the guy that stands in the way of a, of something going a direction I didn't anticipate. You know, part of the reason I, I tell every guest that before we have them on that I want to try to keep it to an hour. But if you look at a lot of my podcasts, there's some one hour and 13 minutes, there's some one hour and 21 minute deals. Cause let's face it. I, I don't want to tell Tom Souter we were going too long and we were going the wrong direction. I don't want to tell Frank Hill that we need to reset the story because we're getting off course. I mean, whatever the length of the podcast is, it is because as I said, what it's evolved into is people got good stories and let's just tell them. And, and we do end up missing some details I'd like to get to, but all that really means to me is it's, it's a great motivation to have them back on again later. Sometimes that's what I've always figured. Uh, unless it's Frank, he's told enough stories. <laughs> no, I, I love Frank. I give him a lot of crap because of that. Uh, I, I enjoy the podcast. I love kind of the, the way that it goes in the free form version of it. Uh, people want to find it online and check it out. How do they do that? Uh, you know, I wish I could tell you all the places. What I know is it's available on eight podcast platforms. What really matters is it's on Spotify, it's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Google Podcasts, and, and the home base for it is anchor.fm. So if you go to anchor.fm backslash John, that's J-O-N, dash Cook, C-O-O-K, and the number zero, anchor.fm backslash John hyphen cook zero. That'll get you to the home base for the podcast. But like I said, it's on Apple podcast, Spotify podcast, Google podcast, and about four other platforms that I really don't recognize. I don't know what they are. <laughs> That's, it's just everywhere. Uh, and the easiest way to find you at coach John cook on Twitter. I have always enjoyed our interactions and uh, I'm happy to hear that the podcast is doing well. Well, I appreciate you reaching out, and, and you didn't know this, but when you asked me to be on, I intentionally didn't tell you. So what I've got planned for me is to get, like, I, I've got enough recorded right now that we're going to be releasing just into August, and I'm going to spend my August recording time talking to either basketball media types or former players uh, that, that aren't necessarily in coaching, but, but had, you know, good playing careers or great playing experiences. I'm hoping to get a guy like Clay Tucker on to tell his story. And I'm also hoping to get guys like you and Matthews and, and, and yeah, a lot definitely of our not the media playing, guys. Definitely not the playing types. You're looking for the media type on those two names. Yeah. I want to get the media types on there to talk about <laughs> their appreciation for the game and, and the things that they've experienced. That here's what I know about basketball, whether you played it, coached it, or you just watch it, if you've invested time in it, it's provided you with some things you didn't anticipate and it's given you great stories to tell. And that's what I want to do with the podcast. And the coaching part has been great. And that'll be the largest focus of the podcast, but I do want to have a segment of time here in August and maybe into September when we're, we're getting away from the sidelines and talking to some other basketball related stuff too. So I'm hoping you'll agree to return the favor and, and, and join me for a podcast sometime in August. Oh, for sure. I've got all kinds of stories, whether they're good or not. That's a whole other thing. Hey, we just tell them. People <laughs> like stories. I, I don't know how we decide what a good story is. Somebody decided my story was good, and I think my story with basketball has been pretty crappy. But there, <laughs> there's people that will listen to it. And I just 
I like I said, I, I do think the media, especially in Northwest Ohio, if the podcast isn't a totally Northwest Ohio focus, the media part needs to be because what what our media types and media people do in Northwest Ohio to cover our local sports, particularly basketball, uh, is is something I've always been fascinated with and, and really humbled by. So I look forward to letting some of those people tell their stories. That's the only guy that I know that runs a podcast that actually has people send him stuff instead of the other way around. That was completely off the cuff. In the first episode, I said, I'm going to have one rule for the podcast is that the guests need to send the host a T-shirt. And I was kind of stuck to that. Now, I'm not very persistent with it. I don't send them my address immediately after the podcast or anything like that. I kind of let guys follow up with me and they say, hey, do you still want a T-shirt? Then we go that route. Uh, Kill and Tabe got me my first two T-shirts. Uh, last week, and I've done 35 episodes or 36 episodes, something like that, of the podcast, and I've got two t-shirts. So it's not like I'm really out there chasing them down, despite <laughs> what Tabler would have people believe. But yeah, I decided pretty early on, I'm, I'm really not making any money doing this. I'm just investing a lot of time. So if people wouldn't mind a walking billboard for their basketball program, I would take a fill-in-the-blank school name basketball t-shirt from everywhere in the country. I have no problem with that. I've found that basketball coaches, they don't want me representing their program. They've seen me shoot. Uh, baseball <laughs> coaches sometimes will give me hats. But outside of that, uh, I'm, I'm not a good basketball representative, I think. Well, I don't I don't know that I am. Here's what I know I'm not. I'm not a threat to any of their job security. So they give <laughs> me a T-shirt. They're throwing me a bone, doing me a favor. It's all right. Well, I appreciate you, and I thank you for coming on again. I was glad to do it, man. It's a lot of fun. That's John Cook, host of Talking Hoops with John Cook, at John, Coach John Cook on at Twitter. Find it, listen to it, enjoy it. Danny the Dealmaker, have you ever noticed how Lee Kinsel Chevy Buick GMC is a little like a sports team? How so? Well, you got your Lee Kinsel team starters, like all of our salespeople. Yeah? And then you got your talent on the bench, ready to back up every one of those starters to ensure that the team wins, like our incredible service people. You know, you're right. A customer can come in, select their favorite, and be on their way in no time. Sort of a pick and roll. Now you got it. See us at 650 West Urban Road, online at LeeKinsel.com, and on the phone at 866-LEE-KINSEL. Back now talking about women's college basketball with Mark Hulsman, the head coach at Ohio Northern University. First of all, again, congratulations to you on that, even though you're just over a, a week and a year from the time that that kind of all came together. Did that make it easier in that transition for you, or was it a little bit odd knowing that was Michelle's last year? Uh, first of all, Michael, thank you. Um, I think it made it, for selfishly, for me personally, it made it easier because I knew I had a job the next year. Um, it made it a little weird knowing that it's, it's coaches last year and just the, the extra little weight that I think is on that because you know ahead of time that it's her last year. But our, our, our players really handled it, I think, as well as they could have handled it. And it didn't seem like they were putting extra pressure on themselves or anything like that. So I think it was maybe just, a, maybe just me talking myself into it, I guess. I don't know. They handled it really well. I was proud of them. It's not like the cupboard is left bare. I mean, you guys go 20 wins again last year, eighth time in the last nine years. You are there for pretty much that entire uh, point. Is it different now as you kind of look at how the program has grown from when you started as an assistant to now becoming the head coach of people maybe more on a national level are looking at Ohio Northern? I don't think it's that much different. I, I think it's, it makes scheduling harder. Than I'm sure it was. It says every winning coach ever. Yeah, 
I guess. But I mean, there's only so many people that that will play you or that are willing to play. And you know, for us, fortunately, we only have to schedule seven non-conference games. So you know, we can schedule. We usually try to schedule two tournaments and then just try to find three single games after that. So, so that's harder. But I mean, we figured out. I think we figured out what type of of player and what type of person does well at Ohio Northern and what type of player and person is going to thrive in our program, the way that we're going to ask them to do things. It just becomes, I think it's easier that way once you know what you're looking for. Well, and what I love about Ohio Northern, and I've always been a big fan, my wife went there and I just grew up watching a lot of Northern games with a lot of Spencerville connections, but every coach in the world will talk about family and it almost sometimes becomes kind of a catchphrase, but it really kind of means something at Northern in that you see ONU and you kind of see how that all goes together before you come in. You get an opportunity to bring in your own assistant and you reach not that far back down the program with bringing Kenzie Rushton back. Yeah, well, I was really fortunate, Michael. Kenzie, she's really good. Uh, she, she loves Ohio Northern. She's got an emotional connection to what we're doing. And she's a really hard worker. Her husband is an Ohio Northern grad, and she knows what we stand for. She knows what it takes to do well here. So I, I was really fortunate to be able to get her to come back. Our program's a better place with her in it and trying to help us. Our players are in a better place with her here. She can relate to them uh, and what they're going through. The, the family aspect that we have is the thing that I'm most worried about uh, continuing. I, I love the, the breadth of age range that we have on alumni day the number of women that come back on that day to be a part of what we're doing it's awesome and it's really humbling to me to see how much those women care about what we're doing still and how hard so many of them work to get the program to the place that it is now and i don't think that happens everywhere else it happens some places but i don't think it happens everywhere I've got to imagine in a normal year, obviously, you had to do a lot more over Zoom and stuff like that this year in the off season. but you get uh, that group. I would think those are some pretty competitive games when they're going on between the current teams and the alumni. Our alumni games are awesome. Anytime that we won a competitive game with no injury, that, that's what we're at. And, and uh, I've been officiating that game for since I've been here, so I can always help to make sure that we have a competitive game. Always just pray for no injury. So, yeah, it's cool to watch to watch them come back. But the competitive gene, I don't care how old the alumni get, the competitive gene doesn't get turned off. And, and the frustration that they have sometimes with themselves because they can't do things the way they, they want to be able to do them, um, it makes me chuckle, but just the, the hazard of getting old that everybody faces, I think. You have uh, an interesting kind of look at this year with everything already going on being back that the recent news you won't start until January kind of hinders your development. You lose your top three scorers and a couple of uh, really good seniors and glue players. How, how does that change the mentality with a younger team looking at not, well, I guess not only the season, but when does that season start? Um, it doesn't really change anything for us. We've been graduating good players since I've been here. It's just it's how it goes when, you, when you've when you had a good program and you've been winning a lot. You win because you have good players. So we've been graduating good players and having to have people step up for seven, seven years that I've been here. So uh, we just go about what we do. Practice is going to be able to start October 1st right now, which is two weeks earlier than we normally would have been able to start practice. Um, the NCAA is allowing us 114 days of 
sport-specific contacts um, that could be completed any time. So we've now got a larger window to use those 114 days, and it's going to allow us to, to ease into getting ready to go. You can't start practice and practice every day from October 1st until you play a game. Uh, players will, will hate me. If we would ever try to do that, we wouldn't have much of a team left, I don't think. But we'll, we'll figure out the best way to, to get ready to go so that when we when we start our first game, which hopefully is going to be January 2nd, um, we're ready to go. And you go compete at a high level and see how it turns out. As it stands right now, the end of July, as we're having this conversation, you say January 2nd. Have they given you, the NCAA, any kind of guidance on will you just pick up your schedule from that point or is that kind of still up in the air? Uh, still up in the air from an NCAA standpoint. Um, our conference is one of, I believe, 24, 25 Division three conferences in the country who have announced that we're not going to compete until January 1. So I'm, I'm saying January 2nd because that's the first Saturday after January 1st. So uh, we played a, a Wednesday-Saturday schedule to try to get as many games in as possible. i got to think that's what we're going to stick with, or at least try to stick with it as it's allowed. You mean you're not going to have a Midnight Madness December 31st, January 1st game? That's correct. <laughs> it's midnight. <laughs> they're, they're, down goes the ball. The ball's now in the air. It's a fun time in Ada. No, no way. I would love to see that just when you take that to, with Michelle being in the AD's office, of being able to go up there and just say, you know, here's what we talked about, and just see how long it takes for her to either turn her back or all of them to just walk out of the office. Michael, coach would say, Mark, if you want me to be here, I'll be here. That's probably true. It's just who she is. She cares about it so much, and she cares about what we're doing. If I asked her to be here at midnight on December 31st, she would look at me to make sure I was serious, and then she would be here. I don't see that happening. I love your incoming class, and I've been a big fan of how you guys have recruited, and obviously that's you know you're different with being D3 and everything that comes along with that in terms of how you have to recruit, but the local talent that you have, I, I absolutely love. You get a terrific uh, incoming freshman class, Kristen Lurzman, Becca Muslin, and Meribeth Dean, Emma Biller. I love, I've seen all four of those girls play over the years. And you also get kind of your bonus with getting Casey Kadippen with everything she talked about on the show uh, about a month ago of coming in from Urbana. That's, I mean, you pretty much just went all in and you get to, to bring in a lot of cash on that one. Yeah, they're all really good players. I think that being a quality player is a bonus. We've, we've got to have workers. Michael, we've got to have people who are willing to be loyal to, to us, to the program, and to each other. Um, and we've got to have people who are willing to do what's right no matter what. And all of our incoming freshmen, and uh, Casey as well, are those types of people. And yeah, they got there's got to be some talent too. And again, fortunately for us, they're, they're good players. But if they don't have the other three things, being talented isn't going to help them in our program the way we do things. So, yeah, we're really excited. I think it's a good group, and I think you know, the types of people that have traditionally done well at Ohio Northern. Casey talked about how she felt like Northern was an easy choice with having to change schools because she kind of had gone down that rabbit hole with you guys when she decided on going to Urbana. It just seems like she will be a good fit. You just have to figure out what point she's not going to be able to hit a shot from on that floor. Yeah, that'd be a good problem to have, wouldn't it? Right. Yeah, this Casey has an advantage. She's played a year of college basketball. Um, she had a really good season for Urbana. 
So she's a little bit ahead of the game. The speed of the game's not going to surprise her. Having to compete like crazy and practice every day shouldn't be a surprise to her, I guess. I don't, I assume it won't be. Maybe I haven't, I've never watched her banner practice, so I don't know how they go about it, but it shouldn't be a surprise to her to have to do that. And yeah, hopefully when she goes out on the floor, you have a less chance of the freshman jitters that you get normally with an incoming freshman. People who don't know this, uh, I've been told that you were a pretty good baller back in your day. You got to go to the NCAA D3 tournament, uh, runner-up there. Does that... I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> I was going to ask you, is that true or is that you're the tall guy? I was the best water boy that existed in Division Three in 2006. <laughs> I had nothing to do with the on-court results. Hey, Kurt Rambis got a lot of run off of that for years with the Lakers. So, I mean, get it where you can get it. Yeah, I, I, I was really fortunate to play in a really good program. I mean, Wittenberg's the, they're not the all-time winningest program in Division Three anymore, which they were when I was there. And again, See, I had very little what happened. contribution. You left, and, then, every, <laughs> and yeah. then everything went down. I had very little on-court contribution to that. We played some, I played some really good players. I played or was a part of some really big games and some really cool atmospheres. And frankly, that experience has been really good for me, even on the coaching side. Uh, when we go into difficult environments, we're playing in the Sweet 16, in the Elite Eight, in the NCAA tournament, when you're playing for an OAC championship, I already have some experience with what that's going to feel like. And I will forever hope that you still get the butterflies in your stomach that come with that. I think that's the cool part. I would worry if I ever didn't have them. But yeah, I think it helps to, to know what it takes and know what it's going to feel like and not panic when the game's close because that's what happens when you get two good teams. That's how it's supposed to be. I know that you pride yourself on how the post players do with working with them the last handful of years. You The last couple of years I've had Emily Mesher and Amy Bullimore being able to get nearly, it felt like every time I saw a game, nearly every rebound. How are you guys going to be able to do that this year? You'll have not a ton of height. Yeah, but we've got good players. I don't, we've been really fortunate to have post players who have achieved at a high level uh, since I've been here. I mean, Sid, Sid's a good player. Sydney Ward's a senior for us. She's played in a lot of big games. She's had, she has a lot of experience. She's a really hard worker. I'm sure she's going to come back a better player as a senior than she was as a junior. And frankly, I don't really know off the top of my head who's going to be her backup, but we'll figure it out. Good thing you got all that extra time to figure that out. Yeah, we got a little time. We got a little time. Time to experiment and tinker and get it out, get get players out there and, and watch them and, and see if to make sure that we're doing the right things and putting people in the right spots and asking them to do things that they're capable of and that they can be successful doing. I just want to say God bless whoever runs your social media at ONU Women's B-Ball on Twitter because they make me smile with all of the, especially on Twitter, I, I see a lot of it is on Facebook as well, but the throwback pictures where I don't know if they're getting these pictures from the girls or from their moms, but the side-by-sides and the uh, the shout-outs, those never cease to amuse me. Yeah, so we uh, we have a social media captain, and uh, it's another way for us to put our players in, in a leadership position and to give them some responsibility and to let them do things and have, have some creativity without us looking directly over their shoulder all the time. Right now, Taylor Kogi, who's a, a student coach for us, she's from Minster, Ohio, is in charge of that. And uh, the, the throwback stuff is, it is, it's terrific. And I would imagine you get that from parents who love just embarrassing the crap out of their kids at any chance they get. So I know my parents do. So. I, uh, I especially enjoyed uh, Ashley Tressler's where she's dressed up as a bunny from when she was a kid. Um, I would imagine that she probably called her mom after that one went up there. 
<laughs> yeah, I would, I would guess so. Uh, the, the Tresslers are really good people. Uh, her, her, Ashley's older sister Kylie played for us um, for I believe three seasons, two or, two or three seasons, and then she got a um, a co-op opportunity a marathon. And I mean, you have to do that when you get that opportunity. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't turn down a co-op with marathon right now. So. Right. Well, I mean, you got a you got a lot of free time. <laughs> right. You think yeah. I got any room for me? Uh, uh, tell them you're a temporary. I can hire. pump gas. And that's about it. <laughs> and even that, I don't know that I would trust. Yeah, I'm you not said twenty five dollars, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Hopefully, they can preset that. Right, right. We're just going to cut him off. We're going to someone need to tell him that he needs to go. That's right. Put that that's on your right. resume. But yeah, those, those, no kidding. I should at least get a good reference out of it, right? Like he was okay at college basketball coaching, but not so much at pumping gas. I don't know what that would say about you. Got to stay in his skill set, right? Uh, everybody's got to be good at something. I uh, I am excited about what your season will be uh, when it gets started next year. That still sounds weird to say, but I thank you again for doing this, and I, I wish you guys all the best. I love watching Northern games, and I, I really am. I, I truly am excited about seeing what this team can be. I'm excited too, Michael. I think I think we've got a good group of girls. They're really hard workers. They're really good people. They really care about each other. And I think I think we've got a shot to have a good year. So I'm excited to see what happens. I appreciate you having me on. Whatever I can ever do for you, just let me know. I appreciate it. That's Mark Hulesman, the head coach at Ohio Northern University. Are you in Spencerville and looking for a place to eat before the Bearcats play? Well then, head to my place, 128 North Broadway, for deep fried mushrooms, chili cheese fries, the best pie around, and soup of the day. If you're in a hurry and just want to order some to go, you can give Doug and his staff a call at 419-647-4062 and they'll have it ready for you. My Place Restaurant at 128 North Broadway in Spencerville, a proud supporter of Bearcat Athletics. Speaking of that, I said this last week that I had lunch there right before I recorded this podcast, but this time I had breakfast. I had to uh, take the car to get an oil change and then uh, went to my place. I highly recommend, I call it the My Current Special. Again, no one else goes with these things i don't understand it but uh, a couple of eggs ham bacon toast all for about six bucks oh and potatoes with cheese i mean if you're not rushing there now it's until 10 25 in the morning monday through friday uh if you're not rushing there now you're kind of a fool because it was terrific also if you're in spencerville check out the 7th street deli they have uh, a lot of great meat we had Kebabs, steak kebabs from there a couple of nights ago and uh, tell Brittany that you heard about it here on Around the Hearn. A lot of great things going on in the Ville, including next Saturday, August the 8th, Z Sports 3 and the Spencerville Girls basketball team, the 50-50 raffle, and the Bearcat bogey golf outing. It's at the Oaks. Starts at 8 o'clock on the 8th at 8 a.m., 8-8 at 8. But a lot of great things going on just technically in Shawnee. The 50-50 Bearcat Bogey Raffle. Pot starts at $100. You can purchase tickets even if you're not golfing. You do not need to be present to win. 50% to the winner, 50% back to the basketball team. If you're interested in purchasing tickets, give Nate Stidham a call. 419-863-9220. Or Greg Ekus, friend of the show. 419-305-5297. You can uh, do cash or check made out to the Spencerville Athletic Boosters, but you need to do this. Uh, this is an opportunity to help out some great, great, great girls basketball players and this team that is going to do big things coming up in the winter, whenever that is. 15 tickets for $5, 75 tickets for $20, 200 tickets for $50. 
please check that out. They're on Facebook. Just look up SVGB Bearcat Bogey Golf Outing and uh, support anything local. And the crazy times that are going on, why would you not support people you know and hopefully people that you love? That's the entire point of this podcast. Thanks again to Mark Hulsman. Thanks again to John Cook for coming on. Andy Brown is on next week. Talk about paintings, ballpark, traveling, probably teaching, and uh, who knows what else. All of that coming up next week. Thank you so much for listening to this show. If uh, you get an opportunity, please uh, check us out on iTunes and uh, leave a comment. Let me know what you think, what you like, what you don't like, who you want to hear. Pretty much open to anything. Have a great night, great day, even better tomorrow. Later, bye. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Around the Hearn. Come back next week for more local stories from the NWO. But until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Michael Hearn PBP for more great area content.